0: Welcome to Melanated Faith, a podcast exploring grace, faith, and culture. We're your hosts, Faith and Catherine. My name is Faith. I'm a social worker, a writer, director of programs for Be the Bridge. I'm an avid traveler and a proud auntie.
1: Hi, my name is Catherine, and I am a seminary student, lawyer, a sister, and a daughter. I love tacos, Jesus, and Beyonce. We started Melanated Faith because we wanted to create a place for us to discuss faith, race, and culture from a black woman's perspective. We hope to foster a community and conversation and have a lot of fun.
0: Alright, so today's episode is all about self-care, but we're also going to take a different spin on it. It's not just going to be your regular self-care talk. Yeah, so we wanted to talk about
1: self-care specifically from a black woman's perspective and what that looks like. And if you guys didn't know, Faith is a trained, and when I say trained, has a master's degree in social work, so she has a document to back up the facts of what what she's saying, Um. Faith is a trained social worker, and so I'm just going to let her talk about what self-care is and why it's important.
0: So self-care, something I really enjoy talking about, um, I think also because it's very nuanced um, and there are so many different meanings and thoughts behind what self-care is. But for me, self-care is choosing to be in tune with your body, your mind, um, and your spirit. So really attending to yourself um, and you know, like you know yourself, you know when you feel off or not quite yourself. And so self-care is all about finding that center for yourself. Um, This is a quote that I saw somebody write. It's by Brianna West. She says self-care is often a very unbeautiful thing. It's making a spreadsheet of your debt and enforcing a morning routine, cooking yourself healthy meals and no longer just running from your problems and calling um, a distraction a solution. It's often doing the ugliest thing that you have to do, like sweat through another workout, tell a toxic friend you don't want to see them anymore, get a second job um, so you can have a savings account, all of the above. Um, It oftentimes is something that's gonna be exhausting you. You're gonna have mundane tasks and all sorts of things that you don't feel like doing. And in a world where self-care has been such a trendy topic, um, self-care should not be something that we resort to because we're absolutely exhausted and we need some reprieve from our own life and the internal pressure. True self-care should really be about creating a life that we don't have to feel like we have to escape from. So I paraphrased. She said a lot more of other things. Um, not everything I feel like I fully like agree with. But what I felt like I liked the most was the essence of what she was saying. In life, we have all of these things we're going to have to get done. Work, life, kids, husband. Uh, jobs, two jobs, three jobs, whatever the case may be, and Caring for yourself is truly about finding a way to daily do that in a way that you feel healthy and where you're not running yourself ragged um, to where you're exhausted and you're tired and you can't do anything else. And you've overcommitted to like the highest ex- extent um, and you don't have enough time for you to reconnect with you to like really listen, to be quiet, to think um, and to really care for what your soul needs. So that's how I think of self-care. Um, What do you think, Catherine? No, I
1: think that's really good. I think as a culture, we've normalized always being busy and being exhausted. And if that is something to be celebrated um, and to be prized. And I think that, you know, particularly around people um, who work in justice work, um, I see so many people burnout, stress, um, and and it's bad for, like, your health. I mean, I, you know... Erica Garner, Eric Garner's daughter, um, Eric Garner, if you don't know, was brutally um, killed by the police, his daughter, in advocating for both her father and just against the larger kind of problems in the criminal justice system, she had a heart attack and she was in her 30s. And so I want to say that this topic is very, very important, especially for those of us that are socially active. I think that also too, for the African-American community, I think oftentimes, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, um, because of lack of privilege or just this idea that like, it's okay for you to be run down and and dragged through the mud and like put everyone else's needs above your own, particularly as black women. um, And it's not healthy. Um, So I'm excited to talk more about this today. And so just, um Yeah, and specifically for, like, black people, sort of the ways in which the lack of self-care manifests itself. So, Faith, you wanted to talk a little bit about racial trauma.
0: Yeah. So for me, I really started to want to learn more about racial trauma just as I've been doing this work in the social justice space and also have seen like just those points of um, racial trauma pop up in my own life. And so I have been really focused in on learning what I can about trauma, how that affects us and um, and the importance of knowing how trauma might manifest itself in your life. So. There's a book I really like called It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle. It's by Mark Lowland. I want to read you guys like a few little pieces from the book that I thought um, are worthwhile to share. Um, This one is from chapter two and it says, when your grandmother was five months pregnant with your mother the precursor cell of the egg you developed from was already present in your mother's ovaries. This means that your mother, before your mother was even born, your mother, your grandmother, and the earliest traces of you were all in the same body. Three generations sharing the same biological environment. So with this knowledge that emotions can be biologically communicated and the fact that three generations share the same biological environment of the womb, Imagine this scenario. A month before your mother is born, your grandmother receives devastating news that her husband has been killed in an accident. With a baby to prepare for and little space to grieve the loss, your grandmother will likely submerge her emotions into the body she now shares with her daughter and grandchild. You and your mother would know something about the grief from a deep place inside of you, a place that all three of you share. It is, with, it is within this shared environment that stress can cause changes to our DNA. And this is how our genes are affected by traumas in our family history. So this is a really like fascinating, groundbreaking way of people starting to talk about how trauma affects the DNA and can also alter the DNA. And for some of you who might not be familiar with racial trauma or what it means, Racial trauma, race-based traumatic stress, um, it's the cumulative effect of racism on an individual's mental and physical health. Um, it's been linked to feelings of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations, and other physical health issues. And so racial trauma is something that we've seen deeply affect the Black community. And so um, if you look at what the Black um, community has gone through, specifically Black people who are um, our descendants of those who were enslaved. Literally like the our DNA, the DNA from that trauma that our ancestors experienced has been altered. And so there are things and traumas that we um, are affected by today from those experiences that they had then that has altered the DNA. And when you look at those aspects, so much makes sense as to why things are the way that they are. So I'm highlighting racial trauma in this self-care episode because it's really important, um, For people, people of color, um, I'm going to speak to black women specifically to really understand and know um, why it's important to acknowledge how you might be affected by racial trauma, how you might have experienced racial trauma, how maybe if you've been in an all white workplace and you've been one of the only black women um, in that space has affected you um, mentally and physically. You really need to look at the whole picture um, and see how that has impacted your life. And then we can continue to have a conversation on like the best way to move forward. So I just want to kick off the episode kind of talking about that so you can be pondering on these concepts of racial trauma and how they're passed down as we work through and talk about how we deal with um, our self-care and what that looks like for us.
1: Yeah, so I think it's important. I you know, I love what we were talking about, um, how stress can affect the DNA and how it alters sort of your, you know, physiological makeup. Um, so we know the body definitely keeps score. So
0: what are some kind of unhealthy ways we can cope with stress? I know for me, like, I didn't realize it until I was in college. I think it was like my junior year, maybe. Um, I was leading a trip to Thailand and that was like the literally the first time I realized that I was emotionally eating. I honestly didn't realize like how college affected me until I was done with college being like one of the only black girls on campus. When I started there, you could count the black women with like one hand. It was like five of us by the time I left, it might've been like 10, maybe 15. Um, And so I think that whole experience had its own layers of trauma. I didn't have like words to express or how to like deal with it um but I remember specifically during this time I was really stressed I was taking a lot of hours doing a lot of things and I was eating so much um caramel popcorn um that crunch and munch (laughs) and I like but I remember at one point like that crunch and munch like I had to have it like it became some kind of like I need this comfort and I need this food. And that's when I realized that food is a way that I would cope with stress. Also, it's a way that I would celebrate myself. Like if I was happy and I was proud of myself, I would eat. And if I was sad or depressed, I'd eat. And so um, it's been like a journey. I'm not even going to say I've conquered it because I really don't think that I have um, of learning how to cope with my stress and not eat it away.
1: Yeah. I think emotional eating is, like, very common among black women. And I think, you know, the thing is – I mean, I do that too. i realized this past year, you know, like, it's like, oh, I had a really good day. I'm going to go to Sprinkles and have a cupcake. Or I'm going to go get a latte and not get sugar-free or almond milk. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that is a really important one to talk about. I think also, like, for me, like, an unhealthy way a couple with stress – is I actually noticed I started doing this in college, and then, you know, at varying points of my adulthood, it's gotten worse, but, like, in college, when I was feeling bad, um, I would go to Old Navy and buy pajama pants, so, like, I had a ton of pajama pants in college, so, like, shopping, I think, for me, too, is, like, one way I cope cope with stress, like, if I'm feeling good or feeling bad, you know, like, my way of, like, rewarding myself, um, is to buy something new and like, that's fine if you can afford it. And it's also, but I think also too, like, you know, why, you know, I wanted to have this conversation about self care is like thinking about ways in which we can take care of ourselves or celebrate ourselves that don't involve food or spending money, you know, or that don't put us in a worse position than we are. Um, And that's what I like love about the sort of the quote that you use to launch off, Um, this episode, because I think so often when we talk about self-care, that's what we're talking about. Like, Oh, how I take care of myself is eating pizza or buying a new dress. And I just think that we need to do the work of examining, like, is that coming from a healthy place? Is that coming from a whole place? Or is that coming from like a, just a quick fix? Like I need a distraction, like a sort of like, um, sugar, which it's like, you're like on a sugar high. It's like a quick pick me up, but like long-term doesn't leave you in a better position. Mm Um, And so, yeah, I mean, and and you know what's, we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later, but one of the things that really helped me kind of evaluate my own self-care practices was counseling, because I struggle with anxiety and was seeing a counselor pretty intensively the last year, and one of the things we talked about is that, like, how do I manage my stress? And I was like, oh, well, I binge, like, watch Netflix and, you know, all these things. And she was like, well, obviously it's not helping. You don't actually feel better because you're still stressed. And it made me, she's like, really think about what are the things that you can do that actually, when you do those things, it does actually alleviate stress. So, um, Yeah, so I think that it's helpful just to even – part of the mindfulness that we hope that you'll take away from this episode is just, like, thinking about what you're doing and calling self-care and
0: asking yourself, is it really Mm self-care? Yeah, exactly. And I think – just just like your counselor was saying, like, is it helping you? Like, do you feel less stressed? Um, if you're not feeling less stressed or like relieved in some way, like you're probably not doing your self-care right because um, you can get your nails done and still be just as stressed after you got your nails done and um, <laughs> and you didn't yes, really care exactly. for yourself, you know? So I think that it's really important to... And keep that in mind when you're evaluating your self-care. Um, okay, so Catherine, this is what I want to know. And you kind of, like, talked about it just a little bit. But what are some of your favorite self-care techniques?
1: So I think, so I talked about counseling. I love counseling. I want to normalize counseling in Black communities and Christian communities because I Nothing has transformed my life has like my spiritual maturity where I am in my own life more than counseling. And it is, kind of scary i i i sympathize with those feelings because i remember you know finding the right counselor it's stressful like worrying about like as an african-american woman like oh will this person understand when i talk about how it's stressful at work being the only black person in the staff meeting you know um but i encourage just being prayerful about that and like i last year found a counselor that i like love and it is a six-year-old white man and he has been fabulous and we talk about race we talk about gender oftentimes he brings it up so don't let that be a barrier Um, so yeah that dedicated hour one Monday a week um, to like talk about you know the things that are going in my life and how I'd like to do differently I think was a big is a big self-care thing for myself Um, for the most part because I'm an introvert Self care time involves being by myself, so going to get a mani pedi, silent, and like bringing a book. Reading is a huge self care thing. Um, and then something that I discovered last year was doing a silent retreat. And for those of you who don't know, um, I'm a seminary student, and we have to take a class on spiritual formation, and we try a bunch of different things. That are supposed to help form us spiritually in this class. One of the things we did was a silent retreat, and we went to a place on campus in a library where you can't talk. Um, at all, um, for four hours, and I brought, like, an adult coloring book that had, like, scripture in it, and I just listened to, like, worship music, but not even worship music with words, like, the, um, just the kind of instrumental and, like, colored for four hours, and when I tell you I felt like I had gotten a massage, like, read my favorite book, just the silence of, like, not letting my mind wander to, like, all the 50 things I had to get done, not doing homework, like, it just was just the refreshingness of just silence and like meditating I like hopefully I hope to this year incorporate that spiritual practice more into like my regular life um but yeah I that was a huge that, that was one thing lovely. I just discovered last year that was yeah I highly recommend if you are a person that finds silence refreshing
0: go on a silent retreat <laughs> I mean even if you don't like I think that's the thing like we move so fast and we don't take time to just slow down a little bit like everybody could use just an hour if possible of just being you know if not 30 minutes like where you just aren't having to do anything go anywhere you're just you're quiet like we need that more in the world you know I love that
1: I agree What, what so faith tell us what some of your favorite ones are
0: Um, well, I mean, I feel like it's about to become a silent retreat because, um, (laughs) that is just like, wow. I'm like, so I was listening to like four hours of just like trying to shut your, um, your brain off. Like, yes. So, wow. Okay. So eventually in 2020, I'll tell you guys about my silent retreat. Um, but for me, (laughs) I like to, um, I have a counselor. I've been seeing my counselor for, um since 2015 I want to say um it's literally the best decision I ever made with my life um four years with her in the beginning we had quite like an intensive session regimen um and now we kind of talk like Quarterly ish, or just whenever I like need um, to talk, and it's just been really great for me to have that support and obviously somebody that's walked with me now through like my mid twenties to now. So she's really seeing like me evolve and change, and I think um, that has been a gift in and of itself. Um, I do not regret that. Um, also, if you really want a black therapist, there's um, I think it's called like black therapy something I don't know I'll find the real name but there's a whole black therapist like um guide that where you can like go through a directory and find one so if that's something that you need it is available um another great self-care thing for me are heart-to-heart talks with my mom um my dad my brother or my grandpa I'm really close to my family and so um we can just talk about a lot of things. Sometimes like I can express like what they've maybe done or like a way they've made me feel that I didn't appreciate, but we have like, we hold space for that, which I appreciate. Um, And really being around my nephew and niece is just like so much um, of a joy for me. Um, With my nephew, when he was little and just born, I was really kind of like walking through Um, a season of feeling depressed. I'd gone through a, a rough breakup and, um, he was just like a little light in my life. Like this little person to love and look at and care for. Like he was just so precious to me during that time. And so I'll never forget it. And I'll love him forever for that. Um, But yeah, I mean, things that cost money that I like to do, like getting my nails done or traveling. Um, And the most recent thing I've done this year that is free 99 um, is acknowledging my feelings, even when I feel like they're quote unquote bad. So like, if I have a thought about a something or like, that might not necessarily be super positive or it might not be nice. Like I acknowledge how I feel and then I process it and I start to assess where that feeling's coming from and why and all of the healthy things that you do. But just like giving myself space to like have that thought, even if it's not great and then to deal with it and get it to the root of it. Like that's been really freeing for me Um, and like mentally, like mentally freeing for me.
1: Yeah. Um, So I just want to circle back to something Faith said, and then we'll put these also resources maybe in the show notes. Um, But maybe we could just take a brief moment to talk about how we found our counselors, like give maybe some tips. Um, But then I also wanted to say, if you live in a place where there's not a lot of access to counselors, um, you know, technology has done some wonderful things for life and some not so great. Russian interference. But one of the great things it has done, um, there are apps called Talkspace and BetterHelp where you can be matched with a therapist. Um and then through your phone using FaceTime or like Skype um or text, um, have access to those resources even in areas that maybe are lacking in trained mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. Um so Faith, I don't know if you wanna share kind of if you have tips for how to choose a counselor or what you know, just for people who, you know, want to add counseling to their self-care routine?
0: Yeah. So um, the place that I was, what I was thinking of that I couldn't remember earlier is Therapy for Black Girls. They have an Instagram. super great. Um, they're the ones that have a directory. Um, and also, I found my counselor um, when I was living in Austin, Texas, a friend of mine um recommended um her counselor to me and and I was like what that's so personal like you would share your counselor with me and she was like yeah of course i have since recommended my counselor to like so many of my friends and i actually have two friends that see her now too so um which is great like i love it so um that's how i met her just through a word of mouth and um when i had seen a therapist before that i just did not like so here's what i'm going to say that in this Um, regard. Um, Building rapport and trust with a therapist is super important. So um, I needed to have a therapist I felt like I could connect with and that would really um, be able to kind of like hear my perspective and where I was coming from. Everybody is different, but I personally didn't want a, um, a Christian therapist. And my reasonings were I just felt like I was in so many different Christian spaces. And I just wanted somebody who was going to kind of give me some different tips and, um, and practical help in a different way. So she is amazing. Um, and she, um, has her faith in God and all of that, but like her, a lot of her techniques that she used, um, with me were a lot of like self-reflection journaling, like, and those are things that I, I really needed. And so, um, it's really important that you have an, um, an idea of what you need from a therapist, um, and what you're looking to accomplish, like, what is, the goal like i'm gonna go to therapy but what do i want the goal to be of this um of seeing a therapist and um And also, if you don't feel comfortable with that therapist, it's okay to get a different one because that's what I did. The first time I saw one, I was reeling from grief from a close friend um, passing away, and I just did not connect with this woman. I saw her for two sessions. I had two free sessions with my insurance at the time, um, and that's what I did, and I decided not to continue. So... um, you all definitely like assess that for yourself, check your insurance. But also when I started with my counselor, she um, was an LPC intern. And so her prices were really reasonable. So as she grew as a counselor, I grew with her, right? So I think in the beginning, she gave me like a sliding scale based on income, um, Discount which does exist, so definitely ask people about that. And I started off paying like $25 an hour, I think. Um, and that was like four years ago, and she had like just started, and so I grew along with her. And now, of course, she's like a full blown LPC, so I pay a lot more an hour now. But um, it was just really helpful at the time when I didn't have very much money, and um, if you don't know that you could get. Counseling, like, and it was an hour session that you can get counseling for that much money. Um, you should definitely ask questions, call, you can Google, Google is your friend. Um, but for sure, you want to make sure you have a rapport, feel comfortable, and like this is a good fit. Because if it isn't, you won't have a good therapy experience.
1: Yeah. So, Faith, I think those are really great tips. And I think along with that, if you're a college student, most colleges have counseling services for free for students on campus. Um, And so I recommend that you check those out because usually the people that are doing counseling in the counseling center are LPC interns and they're being supervised by professors or licensed um, like psychiatrists or psychologists. So you're not just just because someone is an LPC intern doesn't mean they don't haven't had any training. And then they're also often supervised by licensed, um, professionals. And I would say, I would, um, second what Faith said about trying multiple counselors. Um, the first person I went to was lovely and we had a great, um, time and she really helped me with like my anxiety. And then this last year, as I was just kind of mulling over career transitions, I thought maybe I needed something, um, more akin to a life coach. And so my He's a coach, but he's also a trained psychologist. Um, and so I would say, you know, I think it's important to think about what your goals are because sometimes maybe a life coach or um, a spiritual director might be also a really good fit um, rather than maybe, you know, than a straight-up counselor. Counselors can do many things, but um, for those of you that are, like, pondering the difference as someone who's done all three, Um So I feel like a counselor is really good with like, for me, my personal experience, and I'm sure we have counseling professionals that could tell you otherwise, but my experience with counseling is that she was really great with like anxiety and stress. I think spiritual director is more if you're having questions related to specifically about your faith. Um, and then how are you discerning maybe God's next steps in your life? And so spiritual direction, like literally when I, I did it, she literally just asked me questions. Like it was no, she didn't give any advice, did not res- really respond. It literally was like she was just asking a series of questions. And it was great because oftentimes the questions help me think more deeply about um, God and like a lot of like reflection time, um, and a lot of, like, silence and holding space and not giving answers. Um, And then I think coaching or like, is usually designed to push you towards something. So you set a goal with your coach kind of in the first couple of sessions, and then they're pushing, but you've established the goal, and then they're just, like, pushing you and holding you accountable um, to that goal um, with every session. And uh, the other thing is, make sure you check your insurance, because... Oftentimes, these sessions can be covered by your insurance. Um, just to clarify, I we do want to speak to, like, again, self-spiritual director. Not anyone can just call themselves spiritual director. Make sure you're finding people that are licensed by a professional organization, whether it's a counselor, a licensed professional counselor, a, so, a licensed social worker, psychologist, psychiatrist. If you need medication, I do want to say... That some anxiety disorders require medication, and just like you wouldn't encourage a diabetic to skip insulin, I'm not going to encourage any of my friends that have anxiety disorders to pretend like they don't need Prozac or whatever. Right. And that's okay. Medicine. And it's okay. Like, God created that science, and if you believe in a common grace, like, that is a way for you to practice self-care. And so I just want there to be no shame in people that— for people that require medication. And then I think Faith um, had a really good point about mental health
0: is sometimes beyond the scope of pastoral expertise. Yeah. And people who are life coaches, they're not like licensed counselors. There are like, licensed life coach designations which I suggest you see someone who is licensed um, a lot of people these days it's really popular so a lot of people say I'm a coach I'm a life coach but like they're not certified with anything so it's really important though that you have somebody that's like trained and certified to do what they're doing um, and that way you can get like the best um, support and help whether that's in your career mental health etc um, so that's our disclaimer. So. Be smart, and um, we hope you are finding great people um, for 2020 to help you be the best version of yourself.
1: Yes. So, Faith, let's talk about some of the barriers to self-care. Why is it hard to prioritize self-care? And what are some tips you could offer for someone who's just kind of starting off on their self-care journey?
0: Yeah. So, I think, like, the barriers to self-care, especially, like, in our American society, um, are just the fact that we have a culture that moves so fast, like, to slow down or to not have your schedule full is basically like you have no life and you're doing nothing. Um, And that's not true. It's not true, but like, but it's so common that we just need to be busy. Our lives need to be full. We have to be doing something at all times. Um, and I think that that is one huge barrier to really like slowing down, like doing an inventory, a self-check with ourselves to say, Hey, how am I feeling right now? Like what's going on on the inside of me? Where am I at with things? Um, and also, um, I think, you know, you've talked about this, Catherine, like, socioeconomic status, like all these things, like there's so many barriers. Um, But I will say one of the biggest barriers to self-care sometimes is just us, truthfully. Um, We are our biggest barrier sometimes.
1: That's good. That's good. That's a good word. I think, um, yeah, I think it's important to talk about this self-care conversation and to acknowledge the privilege it is to do self-care. Sometimes, like, some people don't have the option because they work hourly, they don't have access to child care, they're single parents, Um, and so just like their socioeconomic status, as Faith said, really is a barrier to doing self-care. And I would say self-care as kind of the larger culture defines self-care. So, um, you know, buying things or getting their nails done um, and that kind of thing. And so I think also too, like recognizing that as a barrier um, to self-care. And I say that too, because um, oftentimes I think, We are a barrier to self care, but I think one thing that can be helpful to us in 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 learning to rethink about self care is our community and our friends. Mm -hmm. And so, looking around your community and asking your friends, "Hey, are you okay? Have you taken some time for yourself lately?" And if you know of people in your community that really could use a day off, but don't have access to childcare because it's expensive, like. Part of being a person's village or community is offering that service and sharing, you know, helping them bear their burden yeah children are not a burden but like being a part of their community and so i you know i wanted to talk about privilege because i do think that there are those of us with privilege um that don't necessarily acknowledge that and then thinking about how we can use our privilege economic privilege like buying you know a mom a gift card to go get a mani-pedi if you you know or a facial or to spend an afternoon at the movies or paying for childcare, and like thinking about how we can leverage Our privilege, but also, too, that we acknowledge that self-care is important and that there are people that don't have access to it because they don't have the same privilege we are. And then thinking about how
0: we can be more supportive um, of others in our community. Yeah, that's so good. Like, because nobody talks about that. Like, self-care could be as simple as, like, you choosing to also help somebody have access to something that you have access to and I'm going to make a special plug for foster parents when it comes to um, self-care and child care Um, it is so difficult to find caregivers um, for foster parents because they have to go through training classes get fingerprinted have background checks it's like a whole rigmarole honestly and it's like super stressful and people can rarely find any friend who wants to take time to do it um that is a simple gift that you could give a foster parent is to go through the process to become a certified babysitter for them um they can't just go on care.com and hire a babysitter to watch their kids they're not allowed to and so um just the fact that if you would be willing to do that for them, that would make a huge difference for some parents who never get a day off from parenting because they have to be on all the time. And that is not easy.
1: And one other thing, a good I wanted to say about that foster care thing, being foster parents. So there, um, when I, in my previous job, met a woman whose church paid for, I want to say 10 young adults to go through the process to be certified babysitters. Cause I think it's like $50 in Texas. I don't yeah. know how much it is in other States, but the church said we'll pay the $500 so that the people in our, you know, in our church who are foster parents as part of what it means to be the church and caring for these parents and also their children, we will bear the financial burden. And so, yeah, like paying, awesome. either paying for your, yeah, either paying for yourself or paying for other people to do the training so that foster care parents, foster parents can have a day off is just really awesome way to to share your privilege. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay, so um let's talk about um access to like free or low cost self care ideas. Catherine, what are some of your favorite things to do for free ninety nine? ninety nine. Okay, so free
1: days at the museum. Free, like looking up for your local, if you have museums, if you're into art or just want quiet spaces... Um, a lot of museums have free days and or afternoons where if you come like after five on a Thursday, you can get, um, interest for free. Um, one of the things, one of my grad student friends taught me is signing up for emails. So like, um, from like maybe your favorite places to eat or, um, favorite places to go like here in Austin, Alamo Drafthouse, you get a free ticket, um, movie ticket on your birthday. So really maximizing, maybe making your birthday, a la myself, a personal holiday and then using that personal holiday (laughs) to enjoy free chips and queso and whatever, um, going to the movies or whatever. So definitely make sure that might be something to think about. Um, I'm going to make a plug for public spaces, specifically public libraries and parks. Um, our tax dollars go to fund those institutions and especially like if you live, um, yeah, really maximizing. So, like, going and getting books for free, taking books out from the library, taking walks in the park. Um, a lot of public libraries put on free programming, like, whether it's for children. So maybe your public library has a story hour and obviously don't, like, leave your kids, like, walk away. But, like, maybe you can go to another part of the library during kid- children's story hour and have a moment to, like, read a magazine. Um and do something away from your kids. Um, Prayer and meditation is free 99. True. Um, and then, and then one thing that I like love is I'm really into like skincare and that kind of thing. And like a lot of like mask and like bubble bath stuff you can make with things that you already have around the house. And I'll make sure and include in the show notes some of my favorite mask re- recipes that it's just like honey and like lemon things that you already have around the house. So um, those are some ideas for some free self-care, take a moment to yourself things
0: that do not cost a thing. Free 99. Um, Okay. So I, I second all of those things that Catherine said. I will also say you can go on Facebook events and you can look at your city and they list out all kind of things that are going on around town and majority of them are free, which is so much fun. So like lantern festivals and different mm-hmm. cultural things like there's been like ones for, um, um, I think there was like a Korean barbecue festival. I'm so sad I missed it, but like, oh my gosh, So, um, Korean barbecue festivals, like all kinds of different things that you can do like locally. Um, and most of it's free to get in. You might have to pay for the food. Um, then also usually like cities have like concerts, like on the lawn or like musical productions, theater productions that you can just grab your blanket, sit down. I would do this in Houston all the time, um, in Herman Park and we would just like go and watch concerts and events there, um. It's such a great way just to chill and then you can just get to know people and um, and just experience like, man, you're paying for it already. You know what I'm saying? Like your tax dollars have already paid for it. Um, also, like there's your local like botanical gardens, um, quiet places like that where you can go read and reflect. Um, I really, really like to just make some good food and just sit in my apartment and chill um, and and then I like to, I do like to watch some TV shows, mostly because once I get into work mode, I don't spend a ton of time watching TV because I have so much work to do. Um, so when I'm not working, it's nice to just watch something mindless that doesn't require critical thinking because I do that all day, every day, twenty four seven for work. And so um, that's one of the things that I like to do for free ninety nine. Um, okay. That's I mean, I could think of so many other things like taking a long drive and a host of other things or a good cup of coffee. Um, but that costs money unless I make it at home, which is fairly good. I'm getting better. Um, but that's all I got.
1: That's good. I feel like um, these are some good tips to get you started. We'll list all these things in the show notes. And then um, if you have other tips, make sure you share them with us on Instagram. Um, Okay, so in closing, we just want to talk about what the Bible teaches us about rest and its importance. Faith, if you want to talk about just kind of your own experience with Scripture and why you think it teaches us about rest? What you think it teaches us about rest?
0: Yeah, so I really love Matthew 11, 28 through um, 30. A lot of you may have heard this before, Um, but I'm going to read it from the message version. Um, It says, "'Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest.'" Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that version um, and just that translation of the scripture because... um, I specifically really love the part where it says are you burned out on religion? Um I think this year has been um there's just been so much that's gone on I would say really the past years plural um in life and in society and in church and um navigating the world as a black woman and um it's been me being able to find rest in God um, and his sovereignty, not putting my stake in any like institution or any specific church to quote unquote, save me or not let me down. Um, It's been putting that um, trust in him that has allowed me to find rest in him when everything around me feels very chaotic. Um, And so I just think that that's why I really enjoy that scripture. Um, and I also feel like when we take time to like sit and be still, we hear better. Um, you, we have a better idea of our future. We we know more of what we need to do, and and um and we don't have to be running ourselves ragged. Like we get direction when we quiet ourselves to be still, and we allow ourselves to hear what maybe sometimes we don't want to hear, but need to hear. And so. That is what I would say. Um, is how I have interpreted rest and its importance from the Bible, and and how I apply it to my life.
1: Yeah, I love that translation, specifically um, where he talks about like walk with me, and I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. Is was that what yeah. it was? Because I think if you look in scripture, like really God does teach us that rest is important. I think from the beginning in Genesis with the creation cycle, God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh. Um, I think in nature speaks to the importance of rest. Like currently we're in winter um, in some parts of the country. In Texas, it's non (laughs) existent. But. The idea of winter and hibernation and creation sort of resting and then what it looks like to be productive and produce again. I think we have these examples from God all around us of that um, to be human is to need rest. I mean, part of Jesus in the fullness of his humanity went away in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray alone, away from the disciples. Um, And so I think there are lots of other scriptural examples of, yeah, God being like, it's okay to be that not just that it's okay, but that rest is important. And I want to, and I think that, um, a lot of what I see as just like overactivity and busyness, I think sometimes can be attributed to faithfulness, um, or not faithfulness, faithlessness, um, can be due to a lack of faith and then an overinflated sense of self and your own importance. Um, I feel like some people feel like they can't rest because the work won't get done if they don't do it right that minute, and I feel like that is a trick of the devil. Um, One, because I don't think that it's a good idea to be building things that are so dependent on you because you're a human, and as Faith has so eloquently already said, like, humans are flawed and it's fine, Um, but really think about like, is that healthy that your organization or your work only revolves around you? And if you take a moment away from it, it all falls apart. I think that speaks to the, maybe maybe you've created a faulty system and maybe something for 2020 is re-examining um, your team, how you delegate, um, how you ask for help um, in those moments. Because yeah, I think taking a day off is important. And I think, understanding that ultimately God is in control whatever work he has called you to you get to do that as like a privilege as part of his great story but God is going to do his work regardless and so you can take a day off because God doesn't take any days off and so um, I think you know learning to just Trust in the Lord and not being anxious for anything. And so one of my favorite verses is also in Matthew. Um, it's Matthew six twenty-five through 34. And I'll just read a little bit of it. But it just basically says, therefore, do not worry about your life. Whatever you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they and they and Can any of you worry at a single hour to the span of your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God will clothe the grass of the field, which is alive today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things indeed your heavenly father knows you need all these things but strive first for the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you and as my grandmother would say do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough trouble for itself (laughs) true so i would just encourage you know for you that um feel stressed out or overwhelmed by your to-do list and i'm you know that's I think a totally normal feeling. Um, really, also as part of your self care, reflect like God. Am I so wrapped up in this that I feel like if I don't do it, you won't do it? Because I think that in that sense, you've made you've you've inflated your own power, and that you've tried to make yourself into a God. And we're not. We're human, and that's beautiful. Um, and God is. Gonna do what he's gonna do, and a joy to be a part of it. But we can't be a part of the things that God is calling us to be a part of if we're busy doing things He has not called us to do, and <laughs> wasting times that maybe are not wasting time on things that are maybe not as important. And so, um, I will say, sort of my closing thought is: think about no as an act of self-care, <laughs> um, and a way to get out from under, things that are maybe overwhelming you. Um, and maybe you're maybe for some of us, we feel overwhelmed because we've said yes to a lot of things that God has not called us to. Um, so that's what I will say is my sort of scripture closing and how I've seen God work in my own life in dealing with self-care. Yeah, and um,
0: I think my parting thought will just be um, – Getting to be in the quiet and getting to know you is one of the best gifts that you could give yourself. Um, so don't negate that gift. And um, sometimes in our deepest, sorrows and places of hurt and pain um, we do need to be quiet and we do need to be still um, because we need to heal and we need to become whole and it's in the quiet that we can hear more clearly and sometimes we hear and feel things we don't want to that we're avoiding trying to feel Um, but my encouragement to you is to let yourself feel the feelings you're human you're normal we all have these moments Hey, everybody. It's time for Go Off, Sis. So, this is a segment in our show where we go off and we tell you about all the things, people, or places that we are loving and the things that are a mess. Also, it is black history, Month. What? 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 Hey. So, we're celebrating all things black over here and just going to be real excited about it and unapologetic. So. Um, I think we should start with what we're loving. Catherine, what are you loving right now?
1: So the thing that I'm loving right now is Gabrielle Union and her husband, Dwayne Wade, and then Matthew Cherry, um, who are the creative team behind the new um, Sony Animation Hair Love. And if you haven't seen it, um, it's a short um, cartoon about a dad learning how to do his daughter's hair Um, and kind of just celebrating black hair, black hairstyles, and then kind of the special father-daughter bond. Um, but the thing that I'm loving beyond the cartoon is that there was a young man, his name is DeAndre Arnold, um, from southeast Texas, who was told by his his school that he could not walk in graduation and he was suspended unless he cut his dreads. Um, and I'm sure some of you have seen this story, but essentially he won't cut his dreads because he is, it's part of his culture, his um, heritage. He's from Trinidad, um, and long dreads is, is part of a, it's a culture of respect thing. Um, and he talked about, I've seen him give interviews that, his hair is a part of who he is and he's been growing it most of his life. And so he feels like to cut it off, um, is part of cutting off his identity. Um, and I want to say that I feel like the school dress code is racist. Um, mm-hmm. and it's also a little, it's also a little bit sexist. I saw an interview with another young white boy who was like, yeah, they made me cut my hair too. And I just feel like, um, Hair is such a small thing, it does not affect what's going into these young men's minds and their brains, and they're able to learn even if they have bangs, (laughs) and I just feel like it just, when you're pushing out kids out of school for kind of like small ticky-tack stuff, um, it adds up and it affects their feelings about how they... um, think about school and so I want to say the thing that I love is I love that um, as part of their celebration of the message of hair love um, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade and Matthew Cherry have invited DeAndre and his mom to the Oscars so I think that's pretty awesome
0: yeah I think that's so nice and it's just needed I mean come on hair of all the things there's so many other things going on in the world and hair is truly the last thing we need to be fighting about right now I know um okay so the thing that i am loving right now is next in fashion on Netflix. Um i really love this show because i i mean i enjoy reality shows we do a lot of hard work, um dismantling systems of oppression and talking about racism for work so like just the idea to just sit down and watch this show is just so great. Not to mention the fact that Their casting team did, I feel like, a really phenomenal job. They had, like, a great, um, just a great diverse cast. And you can tell they really picked talented individuals and people who were really passionate about their craft. So it made it even more fun to watch. And um, it's perfect. It's, like, 10 episodes. It's amazing. It's not a waste of your time if you just want to chill, not have to do a whole lot of thinking about anything, and you enjoy a competition. I enjoy a good competition show. So, that's what I'm going to say I love right now. And you should watch it. Yay, I'm
1: excited. Okay, so my thing is a mess, and I'm sure you're going to have some things to say about this, too. Um, I think mine's is the, the same. A, is the reaction to the Super Bowl halftime show featuring Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Um, so first, I just want to say that Shakira is 43 <laughs> and J-Lo is 50. And mm. sis, go off. <laughs> <laughs> Go because. off, sis. Okay. Go off. <laughs> I'm over here like, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean,. I'm probably never gonna look like that at 50, nor do I really aspire to. But for the women that can do it,
0: do it, girl. (laughs) You do it. I ain't mad at you.
1: I'm not mad at you. Um, But the reason why I wanted to talk about this is I feel like there was such a split in our timeline among sort of cultural and racial lines. Um, And I do feel like there were aspects of the Super Bowl performance that I wasn't, you know, weren't my favorite the pole dance, um, which. You know, if you know anything about J-Lo, she was in a movie called Hustlers, which is about stripping. She does a pole dance um, mm. routine. So I think that was meant to allude to her role in that movie, um, which she was nubbed for the Oscars. So it could have been a little subtle jab at the Oscars, like, oh, who cares about your small little award show? I'm performing for millions at the half- halftime show. Um, but... I feel like that we have gotten so certain segments of the timeline have gotten so worked up about um, the the dancing. That they have missed mm-hmm. all the cultural elements, all the political messages. And also, too, I think it's just very dismissive. Um, I saw a friend post that she never sees people that look like her um, on these kinds of stages. And as a Latina, like it just was really affirming um, for her. And she expressed some level of discomfort, too with the pole dancing, but she just was like so proud to see her heritage on display. And I think given what's going on in the border and sort of the just kind of pervasive racism around um, in this country, around Latinos and telling people to go back to Mexico and chanting build that wall, like to have this really celebratory moment was a big deal for them. And I feel like um, rather than like rejoicing with those that rejoice, and praising what is praiseworthy, we have, a certain segment is rushing to the criticism. And I just think that there's something worth, even if you, there are concerns, um, although I will say, if you know anything about JLo Lo, or Shakira's music, I don't know that why you would have thought they would perform like a PG. <laughs> I mean, Shakira's PG like, performance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, her her song. The song is called "Hips Don't Lie." Like her h- hips have to speak for them not to <laughs> lie.
0: And most people have heard that song, so you knew and, she was going to sing that song before and, she did it at the Super Bowl.
1: And I also so the, missing the cultural aspects. Um, you know, Shakira is. Her nationality is she's Colombian, but she's half Lebanese. Um, There are a lot of, like, belly dancing elements that are nods to that kind of Lebanese culture. Um, She did a dance at the end called the Champata, which celebrates Afro-Latino contributions to Colombian culture and music. And I think even just the idea that, like, belly dancing to Western eyes is, like, sexual, but it's not in, like other parts of the world right like people in india and you know and parts of arab countries like belly dancing is just it takes in a lot of skill um and it's it's just a celebratory dance and so you know one thing i would just like to encourage and i think this is a mess the timeline is a mess is to like look at some of the articles around um the cultural you know J Lo made a statement about kids being in cages and how Puerto Rico Puerto Ricans are Americans. Like, focus on those things, and I think not so much um, on because there's always going to be something we can always pick about pick out something. But think about building up the body of Christ and think about what it would mean, um, what it has meant for Latinos um, and Latinas to see themselves on the world's biggest stage, um, and yeah, to be celebrating and saying live out loud and be proud of your heritage. Like, you have nothing to be ashamed of um, being from part of this country. You're not from an asshole country. Like, there's something beautiful about the way God created you as a Latina, Latino man. And I think for all of the concerns about pole dancing, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, and also, to well, I'll let you go because I could go on for a long time about
0: this issue. I mean, uh, I just feel, I mean, obviously, it is my thing that is a mess as well. Um, I think, you know, the friends that I saw were very excited and you know, some of my closest friends that I've learned a lot of, about Latin culture um, are my friends who've invited me into their homes and their lives. And one of my best friends who took me to El Salvador with her and just to see like the culture and the beauty. And um I know that it meant so much to her and just a lot of our friends. And um I just really can't it was really hard for me to kind of like reconcile where like all the like vitriol and the anger was coming from when there's just so many people that I saw on the other half of it like like wow like finally like representation I saw myself like we haven't seen that and the super bowl is one of the biggest stages that you're going to see people on and to see the dancing and the celebration it was really beautiful for a lot of people to see and experience and it was really special and I feel like some of the complaints or calling it trashy or this or that kind of like I don't know I feel like in a way it can kind of taint something that was actually a moment for people to celebrate um and yeah, I wasn't like a super like huge like fan of the pole dancing segment. Um, but let's be honest, like that was probably like twenty to thirty seconds of like the whole thing. And so the fact that y'all stay mad about that, like <laughs> just was, like, wait, people, like yeah. listen, if it was a whole like, you know, good two, three minutes and like, you know, I I get it. You know what I mean? I would I think I would understand like a little bit more if it was like a lot a lot lengthier. But the fact that it was really like very quick and was like one of the main focal points for why people would like disregard the whole thing and call it trash. That just felt like a little bit of a reach for me. So um, I just think that when we want to start conversations about like making this country and this place somewhere where everyone can feel loved and accepted and valued and really feel like this, it really is um, a home of a lot of different ethnicities and cultures. And this is a place where it's not just the majority culture gets to control the narrative. Um, It's really interesting to see how mad people get because it's like, wait, there's other people here.
1: Yeah. And I think to your point, um, even, you know, beyond the United States, I mean, for me, my primary concern is always the church and what the body of Christ is doing. And I think about, like, what does this say to Latina, like, in terms of their value and their place in the body of Christ, do you value the culture and how God distinctly created them? And when you out of hand dismiss a celebration of their culture, you're basically saying, well, true Christians wouldn't celebrate this um because she's belly dancing or you know or like and I just think that you know some of y'all might be shocked if you ever went to the Caribbean and went to some churches in there I mean like don't come to none of my family reunions because even the you know most sanctified aunties know how to get down (laughs) when the beat drops and it's just and I think you know just respecting you know you know yes you know have your you know you didn't like the pole dancing but just Bend all of her vitriol on that it just seems out of proportion to what it was. And the other thing is, like, all these people who are trying to tie it to, like, Me Too and the over-sexualization of women, like, again, I don't know why you expect non-Christians to act like Christians, number one. But number two, J-Lo and Shakira chose their costumes. Like, they chose their choreo. Like, so the idea that, um, and, you know, women being raped or sexually assaulted has nothing to do with what they're wearing. So if they were covered up in turtlenecks and wearing floor-length skirts, there are men that would probably look at them and have impure thoughts. So I think that that is... Obviously, the standard is different for the body of Christ. We don't want to cause people to stumble. But I think, and we'll get into this in a different episode, but this idea of purity culture, it puts so many restrictions on women. How is it both that men can do everything in the church and yet have no self-control and so that women must be hyper-controlled because men aren't capable, but yet then they're also the only capable leaders? And so I just think Mm. that, you know, some of this stuff, I think... Um, Having discernment and wisdom, and certainly, you know, if it was me knowing what I know about Shakira and JLo, I love them both. I've been listening to Shakira since the Super Bowl. I don't think I would have had my kids in the room <laughs> during the halftime show, but that's just me. Like, that's just me personally, and like, my parents were very strict about those kinds of things when I was a kid. But I don't think I would then, you know, make other people feel bad or say, like, you know, this is trash just because I have a different value system. So that's what I will say. about yeah.
0: that. Yeah. I mean, I think to wrap this up, the main thing that everybody has to like reflect on is how am I responding to somebody else who has a different story and culture than mine? Like, am I striving to understand, to want to learn more? Or am I casting judgment because it's so far and different and beyond what I know to be the standard of quote unquote right or acceptable or pure or holy, whatever the case may be?
1: Are you and yeah? I think to piggyback off that, and I'll just this is my last thing. Are you reacting in a way that opens conversations and makes people feel comfortable being who God created them to be, and and bringing that to the church and having those conversations, or are in your comments you're shutting people down, shutting people out, and making people feel shame? And I feel like if that is where you're coming from, you maybe reevaluate how you speak about these kinds of incidents.
0: Woo, y'all, we could go to church on this, and we will go to church about so many of the other things that Catherine kind of gave y'all. Just a little sneak peek, a little preview um, that we'll talk about later, but... Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Be sure to share, like, and subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tell your friends about it so that way everybody can learn more about Melanated Faith. This podcast is all about faith and culture. So um, I also think of it kind of like a For Us, By Us black women talking about life so if you know some people who want to listen to a great podcast this is the one for them hit them up share and all your platforms that you have and let everybody know to listen to melanated paint see you next time